0: Hello and welcome to the Intuitive Writing Podcast, a production of the Intuitive Writing Project, a writing-based empowerment program for girls and gender expansive youth. My name is Elizabeth Perlman and I created this organization because it was what I wanted and needed when I was young, a safe, supportive space to speak my truth and have it heard. Since the girl inside of us always needs to be heard, we also have writing classes for women. And this podcast will feature one of our amazing Gen X writers. If you are a woman who would like to try writing with us, know that the first class is always free just to see if you like it. There's so many things we have to do. We want this to be something you choose to do purely for the joy of it. Also know that we use the Amherst Writing Method, one of the most nurturing and empowering writing systems I know of. You can read more about the Amherst Method on their website and in Pat Schneider's groundbreaking book, Writing Alone and with Others. But the basic principles and the ones that guide all our classes are these. One, everyone is a writer with important stories to tell. Two, everyone has their own unique voice, a voice that needs to be heard. And three, our voice will grow stronger and clearer the more it is supported and positively affirmed. And so we invite all women identifying people to try one of our women's classes, which help fund need-based scholarships for our younger writers. On behalf of all the young writers at the Intuitive Writing Project, thank you for listening. May you always speak your truth, and know that it matters. Today, I'm so honored and grateful to be speaking with my dear friend, a woman in our women's writing program, Gloria Minson, who is going to be reading an extraordinary poem that I feel like all women are going to resonate to as deeply as I did. I mean, we're going to talk about it. I'm so excited to talk about this piece. But before I begin, I wanted to have Gloria introduce herself if you would give us your pronouns a book that you have read recently that you loved and your favorite kind of writing the kind of writing that you do when you just get to be creative and do your own thing.
1: uh so my pronouns she her um and some of my latest favorite books i would say so i'm usually um growing up i was a non-fiction girl like I think it was just me always wanting to <laughs> pursue learning, getting better at things. So it was like all these business books, like good to great, measure what matters. I have switched over, finally got back into fiction and uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful um, story that just touched me in so many ways And um, uh, Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It was, I tried reading it a couple times and I just was not ready. I wasn't ripe for it, I would say. And then last year I took like a week, went to Big Sur all by myself. It was kind of a, you know, a spiritual retreat. And it was the book just poured over me. And I've been on this, journey you know kind of since then Uh, and then the last book i will mention i'm currently in it right now which and i i 100 believe it's going to change my life is the artist's way
0: (laughs) oh my god i love that book that will change your life it changed my life and every time i read it it changes it again you can keep Mm -hmm. reading it
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i was like oh my gosh my sensor brain is taking over my life (laughs) i need to get in touch with my intuitive creative self
0: that is a classic. And thank you for the, I mean, partly I asked because I'm always looking for book recommendations. I have been hearing so much about Untethered Soul. I have not read it yet. That's next on my list then. Yes. Thank you for that. It sounds <laughs> and it does sound like you, it has to be the perfect moment. You can't just read it in between something else.
1: Oh, no. Yeah.
0: How would you describe the kind of writing that you most enjoy doing when you're free to do whatever you want?
1: I don't know if you call it poetry or not, but I I like writing that where I don't have to describe everything that's going on, but it's like the, you know, it it kind of is stream of consciousness, but yeah, I guess that's what poetry is, but it's not everything literal. And then what I love is I think other people you're not dictating what it needs to mean or how it should make someone feel. Like they can adapt it to make it hopefully meaningful for them. And like for me, when I read it in different like phases of my life or moments, like it speaks to me in so many different ways. And I think that's what po- poetry is, maybe. And I just think it's so beautiful. And I um I yeah, I've been touched by some amazing you know poetry that I've read and and yeah I think I'm just naturally gravitating towards writing more of that in that style
0: that makes perfect sense especially since the piece we're going to be discussing today is a poem it's an exquisite poem and I feel the same way it's funny poetry feels like the most it's the thing that people make fun of and or consider like too complicated for a regular person to do it's like you have to be wordsworth or someone famous Mm -hmm. but poetry i think is actually the most accessible and the easiest Mm -hmm. and like you said it's like you don't have to describe every little thing you also there are no rules right it's more free form it's more emotional but you can share as much as you want it's metaphorical
1: you don't have to explain anything yes i love and like as as like uh you know, recovering perfectionist, I, love yes. <laughs> you know, I, up, but I don't have to explain or justify or asterisks or, you know, it allows me to just like let it flow and just, just let it be like, no matter, like, however the words land.
0: I love that. And I feel like, poetry is basically song lyrics without the music attached mm. and so music has that same effect you don't mm. have to explain everything everyone gets their own meaning every if you have if everyone listened to the same song there would be a million different meanings for that song and that's so poetry true. is the same it's so true yeah i love that it it frees people up i hadn't thought about that that poetry liberates everyone to have or gives everyone permission to have their own experience That's, yeah, I'm with you on poetry. I love poetry so much (laughs) and I'm so excited to read your poem. But before we start, I wanted to ask you if you could share a little anecdote because it's kind of like (laughs) people always want to ask when they, when a couple comes together, how did you meet? And so I feel like this is like your meet cute with writing. Can you remember a time, it could be more recently or it could be early childhood when you first realized that writing was magical?
1: Yes, it, it was. I mean, I remember the class, I think it was in high school. And again, you know, English was not my first or even second language. And, you know, being Korean, like math was supposed to be my jam. And you know, <laughs> I think I was fairly good at it. But it wasn't, it didn't express the creative side of me. And so I finally took this creative writing class. And it, in that class, I felt safe like that there weren't as many rules and like the, the, the goal was to be creative. And when I started writing, again, like these fictional stories, I found myself just, you know, when like you lose track of time because you're just in the flow and like, oh, like that's when I got the taste of that. And I remember I was so proud of this thing I did where I would like start a story with like just the specific scene yeah. of like, you know, these people, they're like inside a trunk of a car and like, you don't really know what's going on. So it like draws you in. It's like the yeah. hug. And then by, by the end of the story, you know, it would like close the loop on the clues that were given. And whether it's like a, a twist ending, there was always kind of this big moment of closure that, gave me such satisfaction and like it was so fun to create that that's when I just fell in love with writing and like how again like between like the sensor brain and kind of the artist brain I was able to tap into that space that I didn't know I had you know nor were encouraged because I didn't have role models
0: okay I love how you just said that you didn't know you had it and I feel like that's the ultimate magic of writing is that this stuff is inside of us Mm. latent sleeping, like sleeping beauty. It's, we're not, it's, of course, it's already there, but we don't know it's there until we write until it comes out of the page. And then I love the image of you, like reading back a story and being like, Oh my God, I invented this. (laughs) Like this came out of me. I don't know where it came from, but it, it was absolutely from you. Was this a mystery mystery stories? It sounds like a really clever plot. Like you had to figure stuff out. You know what? It's what's
1: interesting is it was, without getting to all the details, it was. I would find like dark moments <laughs> in my past, yeah, but I didn't want to talk straight about it, oh. and so I kind of made it into a movie. Ooh, and and. And yeah, I like, for some reason I had a knack for it. Maybe it was a cathartic for me.
0: I bet it was cathartic.
1: Write about those things Mm -hmm. through the lens of like, I'm watching a movie.
0: And how old were you? This was in high school. That's amazing. I mean, that's when we need it the most, of course. That's why the intuitive writing project is for teenagers. Because there's, it's like, you don't have the words or the context to understand what's happened to you at that point absolutely storytelling
1: right it made it accessible to yes. revisit those memories without it feeling
0: so scary right right and if you're telling a story then people can't criticize it's just a story it's not there's I also love my favorite thing about writing is there's no right or wrong yeah. it just it is what it is Math there is a right and a wrong answer <laughs> that's much harder <laughs> although I do think there's a lot of people fear writing for that yeah. reason because exactly. it's safer to have a right and a wrong answer you can figure it out right yeah.
1: or i think they don't want to write because they don't want to get it wrong
0: right And like you
1: can't get it wrong right right i think right. it was
0: matisse or one of oh, somebody like him who said to be creative you must lose your fear of being wrong mm-hmm. it's it's and we get the fear of being wrong from things like math where we can get things wrong, where we are told that we have gotten it wrong. And then you realize, actually, no, you can't, you can't mess it up. Whatever yeah. comes out, we talk about this all the time, whatever comes out is great. It's what needed to come out. But I love that you did that in high school, that you intuitively figured out how to create your own catharsis. Nobody told you it would happen if you did this. But you figured it out.
1: Right. But it was that class that gave me that space, you know, and like, again, like even the third Thursday of the month, like, it gives me that space to write. Like, I that is structure and and almost permission sometimes to get started. So I'm so grateful for that class and that teacher.
0: Oh, my God. Space is it's the hardest thing to be creative. If you're trying to squeeze it into something else, it is. It's like um, sometimes I think about, well, everyone says, you know, fewer and fewer people are religious, more people identify with spiritual, but spiritual, spirituality doesn't really have a church or a temple to go to. I feel like any kind of creative class is, becomes like the modern temple where we connect to our spirit because you do need a place. Otherwise, creativity, you can't squeeze it in on the side. It needs presence. And that's- that's what you experience when you write. So, okay, I want you to go ahead and this piece is so magnificent. And I I take your time and read it slowly so we can savor every word. And I just wanna let the audience know that the link to this piece will be underneath the podcast. so You can read it as well, but um, yes, Gloria, go ahead. Wild,
1: I was always a good girl. I followed the rules. I got good grades. I was kind to others. I caused no trouble. I stayed quiet and I stayed small. It was the least I could do to make my mother happy, to make her sacrifices worthwhile. The secret tears she thought she hid from me, the bruise on her face as she drove me to school. I saw them, I felt them I vowed to be a good girl she could be proud of. Her reason for happiness, her reason for living. Wild was a foreign concept, a frightening place. To be out of control, irresponsible, inconsequential, loud and big, it was inconceivable to me. Now in my 40s, I see the word so differently so longingly. Now I long to be wild, like the wildflowers growing where they may, like the wilderness and its changing leaves, like the deep blue ocean and its crashing waves. There are no apologies, no judgments, no consequence, just acceptance and being. Now I long to be wild, To not control things, to not be responsible for all things, to fail, to feel, to be big, to be free. All I have to be is me. This whole time, this is how my mother saw me, wild me. This is why my mother loved me, wild me, true me. All along, she was with me. And forever will be in the crashing waves, in the glowing sunset, in the sweet scents of the forest. My wild and loving mother nature, reminding me to always be wildly me.
0: Mm. This is such a magnificent piece. It feels like another feminist anthem for. All women kind of all ages, but it feels especially resonant um, in middle age to read this piece. Every single line, I resonate to every line and every word. <laughs> so, as you know, in our classes, we always go around and share, everyone shares what they thought was beautiful and powerful and authentic. So, I can't, I, I want to say every line, but I'll try to <laughs> just call out a few things. Um, I love how the piece starts with, I was always a good girl and what that looked like, how, and this is why I feel like pretty much every woman alive is gonna relate to this and I deeply relate to this. This pressure and this expectation to be good, which equals quiet and often silent and small and how we feel um, the writer expresses this so beautifully. The, the felt sense of duty and responsibility to one's mother and to others to be worthy of this world around them, of the sacrifices that adults are making and how this young narrator sees and feels everything. I, I feel like that's something that women don't give ourselves enough credit for, that we track everything. And we can't, there's usually not an outlet for it. We're just like noticing everything, feeling everything, observing everything, intuiting everything. And then we don't have any place to put it. So we don't give ourselves credit for it. But that is, I believe, part of our powerful intuition is that everything is felt, everything is held inside of the body. And then I love how, um, we introduce, the writer introduces the word wild, and suddenly the story starts to pivot. There's this, oh, there's this larger concept that we're exploring, how it started out seeming like a foreign concept and a frightening place. And of course, this makes me think about just our entire society, how, I mean, basically Western culture exists on the the graves of indigenous peoples everywhere who were connected to nature and then we just killed everyone and now it's so weird how we have really for the last I don't know 300 200 300 years we have managed to live separate from nature not really but to have the illusion of separateness and to call wildness to think that it's dangerous or out of control right and it's such a huge I truly believe it's what makes this poem so massively important is I feel like the writer, well, there's many things, but one of the things is the writer is recognizing like the core wound of all people and all women is our disconnection from the earth and from our own wildness. Yes. And then we get connected after the seeing that I love, um, this is the middle age piece of us, saying now that we're in our forties, we long for our wildness. We see it differently now. And I love, um, could you read it again? Um, the stanza that starts, now I long to be wild. And then the next stanza, those, the stanza that starts there and then the one after it.
1: Now I long to be wild, like the wildflowers growing where they may, like the wilderness and its changing leaves, like the deep blue ocean and it's crashing waves. There are no apologies, no judgments, no consequence, just acceptance and being. Mm.
0: So incredibly beautiful. And I feel like the writer is describing what we, we all used to know this peace Mm -hmm. and oneness. We were talking about this before we started we are one with the earth. It's not, it's a, it's a poetic idea, but it, on a, on a quantum physics level, the on the level of quantum physics, we are the earth. Mm. And it's so interesting too, how the writer brings up the, the no judgment, no consequence, just acceptance in being, because that's the opposite of Western civilization is constant judgment and non-acceptance. <laughs> And if you think about every spiritual teaching is actually the teachings that this writer is expressing about being in a place of pure awareness without judgment. And that's what is our true nature.
1: Right. And I feel like the word wild, there's so much judgment around it.
0: Right, the word, I word itself. I, the word
1: I was such a quote unquote good girl, Elizabeth, that like I never Drank until I was 21. I went to school, UC Berkeley and never tried weed. Like, you know, like I did everything by the books. And to me, wild was like, you know, whether you're, you know, sexually promiscuous or you're yeah. just like irresponsible, out of control, wild woman, like, yeah. no, like now it's so crazy that I see the word wild and I'm just yearning for it. Yeah. And like wild, you're like, okay, the wilderness the wildflowers, yes. there's nothing crazy about it. It's beautiful. It's free. It's powerful. Yes. And I was like, fuck, like I want to be wild. Yes. I'm like, oh, you know, like just yes. I've never seen a word that like I have so much judgment around totally take on a whole new meaning for me.
0: Well, it's <laughs> this is 100% of feminist peace for exactly the reason you, for everything you just said is really goes down to feminism. Because when you think about women, I mean, oh my God, our, our ability to our bodies basically mimic the earth. I mean, like the moon, the full moon and the tides show up in our menstrual cycle and our emotions, everything. We're so connected to the earth and early, pretty much all indigenous cultures for millions of years understood the woman was the embodiment of the divine feminine, the goddess that they saw. Cause they looked around and, you know, before science, people were like, Oh, the babies come out of the female. The female must be the goddess. That must be Mm -hmm. the great powerful one. And I feel like, and it's not just my feeling I've read many things people have talked about. One of the most potent ways that we disempowered women is we made women feel shame for our, our nature, our wildness. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, if you just look at the, the Garden of Eden, as soon as the, the Bible story, um, as soon as they became aware they were naked. Mm-hmm. Oh, the shame, the shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, everyone is shamed a little bit. I think it's mainly women who are shamed because a man who's wild and crazy is cool.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a completely different definition.
0: Right. Versus
1: a wild women,
0: <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, and also, of course, there's, I mean, so many interesting books talking about this more eloquently than what I can say. But one of my first feminist books that I read, actually, right after high school, a childhood friend gave it to me on not even knowing what it was. And it turned out to be life changing was Women Who Run With the Wolves by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola-Estes. I need to that read this. I mean, you've basically written a poem that captures her entire book, so you don't need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you got no. it, you got it. But I mean, this is what she talks about is the the wildish nature of women has been shamed. And, mm-hmm. and we all, um, God, it's, I mean, how insane is it that women are expected to be good and nice and quiet, but we don't expect men to be, Good and nice and quiet. Of it's not right. So yes. crazy. <laughs> um. Okay. And then I love how this piece it continues to like the piece itself is the heroine's journey. I feel like incarnate because it's taking us from the heroine's journey. You always start in everyday life, and then you're challenged by something that you have to wrestle. And at some point, there's a dark night of the soul, and in the end, you. Don't give up and you emerge wiser and whole. You reclaim your wholeness. And that is exactly what the narrator experiences in this piece. We start out in the everyday world and then we go into the wilderness, wildness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love how it comes back to that initial, you know, the narrator wanting to be good um, and honorable and honoring of their mother and recognizing the greater mother behind it. This whole time, this is how my mother saw me, wild me. This is why my mother loved me, wild me, true me. I love that idea of being loved for your true wild nature. That is so moving. And then we go back to the description of the earth in the crashing waves, and the glowing sunset, in the sweet sense of the forest. And I have to say this out loud because um, readers will not know the way you read it, but it will be when people go to your this piece on the blog, they'll see it. The last stanza where it says, my wild and loving capitalized mother, period, capitalized nature, period and that's like the mic drop to me that's like the heroine reclaiming her wisdom and power is she's recognizing the greater mother gaia earth mm-hmm. um could you read the last stanza again
1: yes my wild and loving mother nature reminding me to always be wildly me
0: mm. I feel like this is the journey that all women are on right now. And we, it's hard to, we can't articulate it as well as you have articulated it. That's why we need this poem to remind us, to remind us of like the innocence and the purity of just our true, authentic, natural self. Um, I was going to ask you to share again, because, we talked about it beforehand, and it's so beautiful. The mantra that you say to yourself when there's stress and chaos around you in which you identify as the ocean. Yes.
1: I, I close my eyes and I repeat to myself, I am the ocean. I am deep. I am vast. I am calm. And I am powerful as the mm. ocean this storm will pass through me or he this is his storm that is passing through me this is her storm that is passing through me mm. is i am the ocean mm. and it really helps to just you know like center myself yeah. and not get swept into you know, emotions and commotions and things.
0: When it's interesting too, because in light of this poem, I think a lot of people might say that the ocean is wild and uncontrollable and scary and dangerous. So I love how the writer is truly owning her divine feminine energy and recognizing her oneness like I said, it's not even oneness. It's like I am, I am the ocean. Whatever, whenever, whatever you put after the word, am, I am. That is owning your power at the ultimate yeah. level. Yes, I feel, I feel like there's a book here. You need to write a book about this mantra. This is brilliant. Sorry, it's the
1: ocean it's just like it's it's it- You know, when I was, I remember when I was learning English, my favorite word was phosphorescence. Because I was so proud that I knew how to spell it, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very difficult word for me to spell. And then just like the shining, the glimmer of Mm -hmm. the water, you know, when the sun is there. it's like I just thought it was the most magical, beautiful word Uh in the whole world. And I've been, I think, obsessed with the ocean, you know, Uh like since then. And I think the ocean can be so powerful yeah. you know and quote-unquote frightening with the storms yeah it's like people go and they look in the ocean to find peace and calm yes. you know in the way yeah. is, the ocean the sunset so it's it's unapologetically like yes. what it is it's wild and it's beautiful and it's powerful and it's like all the things I was going to say I want to be, but all the things I know that I am, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm rediscovering that in myself.
0: That is it. I mean, I feel like you've, you had that understanding and that mantra before you wrote this poem, I think, but I think the poem flowed out of that awareness that you have when you, when you connect to the ocean that you are. Cause that that's this whole poem feels like (laughs) the ocean in a way Mm. it's flowing and it's powerful. And like you said, the, the unapologetic, I think we should talk about that for a minute because that is, we've talked about this before, but all women, at least in Western countries have been conditioned to apologize constantly. I I'm one of the worst at that. I, I, apologize a lot. And then people are like, stop apologizing. And I will literally say, oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so ingrained. And I think it's because we've been made to feel we should apologize. thats It's not like we're doing it on a whim or it's just a weird trend. It's culture (laughs) really driving it in. And the ocean doesn't apologize. Mm. The ocean just is. Also, I think everyone just, if you consider how many throughout time, how many millions of humans have perished It's the, you know, in an ocean, some, whether it's drowning in a storm or some, whatever, the ocean takes no prisoners. I mean, the ocean, you do not mess with the ocean. And so the ocean doesn't have to apologize. And I love the idea that we as women claim that for ourselves. Yeah. Um. Also, I have to go back to the mother piece because you and I have talked about this before, Mm -hmm. but, um, what's interesting about this piece, I have to mention another book because I'm always reading nonfiction myself and I just (laughs) read a great book called, um, Healing the Mother Wound, Reclaiming, it's called Reclaiming the Inner Mother, Healing the Mother Wound, um, Mm -hmm. by, um. Bethany Webster. It's incredible. I highly recommend it. I like underlined like every line in the book. It's love so good. That. <laughs> but she talks about all women have, all women in Western societies have the mother wound and the mother wound. Some wounds are deeper than others, depending on your mother's upbringing. But basically the mother wound is the trauma of patriarchy, just mm-hmm. growing up in a society where, um, and this is hinted at at in this piece where the mother is abused. The writer mentions the bruise on her face, which the daughter recognizes, but doesn't say anything about. She just carries it inside of her. But like our mothers, especially people who are now in their 40s like us, our mothers grew up in a totally different generation. It was so much worse for them, of course. It's still bad. But they were denied or they couldn't, they just didn't have the cultural resources to stand in their power as we're beginning to do. And so we carry our mother's trauma in us, their unlived lives, their frustrated potential, their unexpressed rage. Because you know, they, of course they were enraged, but they couldn't express it. So I feel like this piece expresses the healing of the mother world. Um, and
1: you know the whole idea of being wild and how beautiful that is. Like my daughter is such an inspiration for me.
0: Oh, you know?
1: like that line I wrote about this whole time. This is how my mother saw me, wild me. This is why my mother loved me, wild me. Like this is exactly how I feel about Juniper, my daughter. Oh,
0: you know, I
1: love her, wild her.
0: Oh, you know?
1: and. And it's almost like having her help me realize how my mother sees me.
0: Wow. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. it's.
0: I mean, what's so cool too is you're seeing like the quantum leap forward from one generation to the next, like what your mother wasn't able to process, you can process. Mm -hmm. And therefore your daughter won't need to process it. Mm -hmm. She can just immediately be, just remain in her wildness.
1: Well, I mean, as much as we will,
0: you know, yes. protect that. Right. But, yeah, I think that I I mostly work with Gen Z most of the time. And I truly believe by the time they're our age, this world is going to be so much better. Because oh. there's just going to be, there's all the people who, like our generation will be old and we'll have worked through all of our, hopefully work through most of our baggage. <laughs> yes. And then there's the younger generations who won't, they'll be so light. They'll be Mm -hmm. able to just be who they are and create an authentic world. Right. Right. I have great hope for it, but okay. Going back to your piece, I really believe that the writer has created like a map for healing for every woman to heal their own mother wound, which is the reclamation of like the true, both the true mother, the sense of the mother that mm-hmm. who she really was before society got their hands on her. And then also the greater mother and also the mother in ourselves. We, we mother our own, we nurture our own bodies and lives. We are, the mother archetype is so deep. Yeah. It's so it's everywhere. Deep. And then the wildness, it's funny because the, writer also reframed wildness as um, to not have to control things, to not have to be responsible for all things, to be allowed to fail, to be allowed to feel. I love those, the alliteration of those beside each other, to be big and to be free. Like, oh my God, if we had understood as children that that is what wildness was, and we had been given permission to be that way it's amazing it's a completely different reality
1: yeah and it's almost like to me it's like oh my gosh how am I gonna do that how am I gonna be big and to yeah. and then you're like no like I don't have to anything I just have to be me you know like right, it's like, right. and there that is the work to get back to me yeah. feel so much more more doable than like having to become something oh. or change something <laughs> to get there. It's like, oh no, I'm just—it's a homecoming, you know.
0: Wow, it's a lot of work
1: to get there, but like all I have to be is me. It's like, okay. Oh yeah.
0: my god, that is profound insight, and that I feel like is a—it's a deep misconception in our culture. This idea that we have to go become something else, right? And to get in and, you know, achieve. yeah, Yeah.
1: It's like, it's like, get back to your, you know, true self, your wild self.
0: So I love when you say it's a homecoming. It's just being yourself. It's a be- not a becoming. Mm-hmm. A be- yeah. And that takes all the pressure off. Yes. Everything is, is so much about, I mean, it's yeah. a performance. We can just be. There's so much freedom in that. That's like the biggest liberation of all to just know you can just be. And I also love that the writer wasn't prescriptive in this piece and didn't say like, here's the secret. The writer just said, here's the map. And this is the, these are the the guideposts and you can figure it out. Like you said earlier about poetry is everyone can find their own meaning and their own truth in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've, perfectly guided us it's like a lighthouse being like look there's freedom here come <laughs> as you are come however you need to come find your own path but there's light ahead that's what it yeah.
1: is i mean i have to thank you for the 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 prompt it was very it was interesting like when i read it elizabeth oh my goodness it just i was possessed <laughs> and <laughs> You know, I didn't have time to like write, you know, that day or, but it was like, I knew it was like simmering and it was like Uh, boiling boiling. over and it, it, and then I think that the the last kind of the, the, the trigger for me was when you sent kind of the follow-up email, like to encourage me with the podcast or whatever, I was driving home from work and the, I was always a good girl like it was like stuck in here and I started (laughs) you shouldn't text and drive but I was like texting while driving home yeah (laughs) it it was just I didn't want to lose it it was like like it was just pouring and I at some point I like pulled over because I just had to like I didn't want to lose it I just want to jot everything down and I swear like more than half of this poem I literally just like wrote it all down on my home from work and I felt like I was like this, like ten month pregnant woman, <laughs> way overdue, and it just I needed to like <laughs> unleash it,
0: you know. It did it was building up inside of you that needed to be released. I love that. That. That is the best. I feel like, okay, that perfectly embodies intuitive writing, which is you, you just start percolating on an idea and then it just flows out. It's like when the baby needs to be born, the baby <laughs> is coming out and there's no stopping it and you just have to let it come. I love, that's why it's so powerful. You can feel that in the writing that it just, I mentioned before, it feels like it was channeled. But when I say channeled, I mean, it just like flew out mm-hmm. of your soul. Your soul was speaking. Mm-hmm. I love that. And also you can't, (laughs) this is another part of our wildness that it's really hard to schedule creativity, like sit down at a specific time every day and generate something genius. I feel like for women, okay, another book, Meditation Secrets for Women. She talked about how women meditate and are most attuned to the universe while we're in motion and doing things. Yes. And I feel like it's so perfect. You were driving is is moving. You were in motion. Mm-hmm. Things were going. And the female brain is really able to, well, I feel like our intuition is constantly cooking. It's like a hot pot right. in the back of our psyche all the time. And when that baby comes out, we yeah. just make way for it. And that's what you did. I yeah. love that. <laughs> I mean, it's,
1: it's it was powerful. I, it, it was probably the most powerful experience I've ever had when it came to like- channeling something to like wanting to just you know
0: well it's so funny too because this is the collective unconscious i chose and i'll put i'll post the piece that i shared um that sparked the prompt it comes from um actually from an instagram account i follow and love at wild woman sisterhood official like talk about wild um I was drawn to this piece because it's what I'm wrestling with right now. And so I wanted to share it with all of you. And it's so cool that it was like, by the magic of intuition, it plugged into exactly what you were processing. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love that. It, it seems to yeah. happen all the time too. Like we always, we all are kind of processing. We all have different lives in different cities. And yet we're all like on the same page somehow.
1: Yeah. I That's, don't doubt that at all.
0: it's like the ocean it's there is only one ocean. It's funny, we have different names. There's the Atlantic and the Pacific, but there's no wall between right. them. Right. I always wondered, like how do you know like where's the line between <laughs> <laughs> it's one ocean, and we are we are women, one woman. So I was gonna ask you about the pro- your process, and that I always ask people about their process. What you just described is the most magical process I've ever heard in terms of writing a piece, how it just came to you and poured out of you. Um, I wanted to ask you about what do you do? This is advice, advice for other writers because we're all on the path figuring stuff out together, and there is no there's no right or wrong, but there are things that are helpful or not helpful. So what do you do? If you want to write and you just can't come up with an idea, you're stuck. How do you get yourself unstuck? Do you just like wait till you feel it? Or do you push through and have yourself write something weird? How do you work, on, work through blocks?
1: You know, I mean, again, I don't have that much dedicated time for writing. But I think what has been helping is, again, like, this is what I mean by it's going to change my life. The morning pages, the ah. whole concept about the morning pages is it's, um it's not meant to be good or a piece of art or some amazing masterpiece that you're writing every morning. You know, it's just for me, it's just a brain dump. Yeah. Like, what's stuck in here? Like, what am I worried about? What am I mad about? Like, how am I feeling? Like I have nothing, you know, it's just, but it's when, when I let that flow without judgment, often I surprise myself with like some wisdom coming through yes. when it wasn't planned, you know? Yes. And so it's almost like in the way the book describes it is like, you have to kind of create that outlet for, to even see kind of your sensor brain, you know, mm. all the things you're worried about controlling. And then, you know, it makes way for your intuition and the artist's, the, your artist's brain to like flow through and I can literally see that in my writing sometimes yeah. it starts out with like oh like I'm not feeling great or this person's stressing me out at work and then like as I keep writing like kind of like again the intuition the wisdom like always somehow finds its way there whether it's like on during that time when I'm trying to write two to three pages or hours later or even days later because it it's almost I started that process of unpacking it. And it's and it's great because again, I'm always so wary about presenting my work and making sure it's exceptional and and like no one's ever gonna read this. Like I don't even have to read it again. So it's like zoom <laughs> pressure, you know. Um I, I find that to be really helpful for me.
0: I think that's so wise. And of course, yeah, Julia Cameron knocked it out of the park with that book. That's it, is you have to, it's like um, we get like a a crust of linear sensory-based thoughts that like block all the other stuff. And you got to get those out to make so the the water can flow again. It's like, or maybe it's like more like ice gets frozen and you got to keep the pipes running so that intuition always comes through after that whenever you and i think the hardest part and this makes me think again about your piece is when we were talking about like what does wildness look like and i think it's exactly what you just described is it sitting with kind of the yuckiness of everyday life long enough to like weed whack through the everyday to make room for this ocean or river of wisdom to flow through you that's your wildness yes but it's hard because for a a million reasons one of which is the critical mind the perfectionist i love how you called yourself (laughs) recovering from perfectionism which is very much targeted at women by the way i think most perfectionists are women because Mm -hmm. of society patriarchy but i feel like all of those all the what's the word detris Ditris. all the junk all the glock glock block of schlock that gets piled up we have to have the courage to push through it to not escape run away from it but like face it straight on right about feeling crappy right about being annoyed about blank blank and blank and then underneath it there's our wildness right
1: right And honestly, like taking a walk around the block (laughs) doesn't hurt either. Like just being in nature, like smelling fresh air, and you know, putting yourself outside of wherever you are, where you're feeling stuck. Man, you know, nature is healing. Like
0: nature is. That's it. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is the secret is giving yourself time and space, and also letting yourself contact connect with the larger world, nature your own nature
1: right and it's, it's so you can be, be okay with it being messy especially mm. in the beginning you know you don't have to be like I'm not right okay like how do I make this perfect And that's yes. I think that's what the morning pages for are for me like whatever's messy like I don't judge it you just let it all out and then kind of the wisdom creativity kind of just seep yes. through
0: yes Yes. And that's funny because that's another thing that I feel like women are expected to be is clean, tidy, Mm -hmm. organized, controlled. And um, if you look at it, it's so funny how I mean, my God, the ocean is the perfect metaphor for everything because talk about messy. It's like, Mm. oh, my God. Everything it contains, everything that we're not even talking about, like the billions of, (laughs) right? I mean, it's so immense and messy, and yet there's this underlying order to it. Mm -hmm. And you can't get hung up on on having anything perfect or tidy, you have to let things flow out of you. Just whatever it is, trust that it's going to lead you to the next thing, and you're going to surprise yourself. Yes, that's incredible. Um, Okay, so I wanted to ask you about your, but two things, last two questions. One is your favorite part of the poem, having read it over a couple times now, what what feels most powerful for you? And also, did you notice, or of course, now that we've been talking about it, maybe even more so, but do you feel different on the other side of having written it than you felt before you wrote it
1: oh yes it's again like it was in there but to like give birth to <laughs> this yeah. was very cathartic yeah. you know yeah um, and i think the going back to your original question of my favorite part of it is very personal for me and you know, it's going to feel awkward saying it, but, you know, it's the part, Um, and I'll read it here. This whole time, this is how my mother saw me, wild me. This is why my mother loved me, wild me, true me. All along, she was with me and forever will be in the crashing waves, in the glowing sunset, in the sweet scents of the forest. Like, that mm. gave me this sense of peace Mm. that I think I've been searching for for so long because, again, I have this obsession around my mother and how unjust her life has been and she's given so much and she's, you know, she's 70 and instead of enjoying life, she's like in so much pain and, Mm. and I think I have this I don't know. Like, I, like, worry, like, if she passes, what was her life for? Mm. How will I remember her? Mm. You know? And it just gives me this peace knowing, like, she's my mother. Mm. And my mother is Mother Nature. Like, they are mm. so – they are one. And so no matter where I am or where she is, you know, every time I see the crashing waves – or the glowing sunset or smell the forest, I will know she's with me. And look, like she's she's still here, but like it just gives me this like peace yeah. in my life, knowing like you know, her life has so much depth and meaning and like will live through me and my daughter and every person yeah. I can try to touch, you know, and um and being in nature will always be a reminder of that for me.
0: I love that. It's so beautiful. I, w- I would think, oh, my God, could the mother of this poem understand the magnitude of this poem? And I don't know that she could, and it doesn't matter because the writer has been healed by it. I feel like this was a self-healing poem, is what you're saying, that you yeah. found. Also, just like the, you know, what's so hard about being human is we're here for such a short time and, you know, we have to watch our loved ones pass. But the larger truth, I believe, like you, I believe we are the soul is infinite. Mm-hmm. And it's mirrored in nature. I love that idea that you see, you can see and feel your mother's presence anywhere on earth because she is the earth. Because mm-hmm. you are the earth. Because your daughter <laughs> is the earth. <laughs> right. And actually, I remember reading that recently. I can't remember the name of the book. Oh, maybe it was braiding. Did you ever read Braiding Sweetgrass? Been talked about a lot recently. It's a more recent book. You would love it. Um, it. She is an indigenous woman by birth, but she's also a modern biologist, and so she weaves science and indigenous wisdom, and of course, how indigenous Americans, indigenous people all over the world figured stuff out way before quote scientists mm-hmm. confirmed the truth of it. Oh, indigenous people had it cracked that code early on. And one of the things that they had that we don't have is this understanding that they are one with everything and connected to everything. And there is no end. It's just a continual, this Mm. infinite journey of life taking different shapes. And so they had no fear of death. And I feel like what you just described is that wisdom. Like you've come back to it yourself, which is so powerful. And I think it's such a, I think the greatest gift of writing, I believe, I mean, this is why I do this work, is that we all find our own answers and our own healing through ourselves. That's amazing. Right? (laughs) Right. I know. Like, you wouldn't know, you don't know what you know until you write it. Right.
1: It's like, you know, all those self-help books I read, Searching for Knowledge, it's like the wisdom is like here yes yes
0: and i think the magic of writing is i know we've talked about this before too but that um language is actually in the left hemisphere of the brain the linear brain but emotion well emotion is a lot in the right brain it's all over the brain but i think the power of taking something linear and logical like words and Mm. using words to describe feelings Mm. it allows us to harness our wisdom in a way that if we didn't we need the words to understand the depths of our wisdom mm. you were walking around i mean i've known you for i guess a year now you've been walking around with this poem inside of you the whole time i think that's so. <laughs> right i think so <laughs> it came out but i didn't know it was in there i didn't know you were pregnant with this poem only you knew and then And now it's like wisdom personified. And then the gift of that is not only your own healing, but you put it out in the world and every other woman who reads it can find her own resonance and realize something else. In fact, your piece could also be an amazing writing prompt for a future class. Like (laughs) let's read this poem and use this as the inspiration and what comes up for you. It's just endless ripples of, of intuitive wisdom that starts with you ripples of waves (laughs) waves actually we could say actually the poem started in your mother but she didn't know how to write it yes yes right so you've actually carried it there's that makes me think too okay so they have those nesting dolls but i honestly think Mm -hmm. that is the nature of women we have because like when you were inside you were inside of your mother when she was inside of her mother, Mm -hmm. right? So (laughs) it's like thinking about infinity. Like
1: it's hard to wrap
0: your head around, but I don't know how far back it goes, but you were for sure in your mother when she was in the womb of her mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So technically this poem came from your grandmother. The power of women and the power of nature, I believe is now finally after mm. millennium it's finally being reclaimed i think our gen x is leading yeah. the charge and then gen z is carrying it forward and alpha even more so this is this is how the world changes through writing yeah. like yours I thank you that. thank it you was so much truly i could talk to you this could be like a 10 hour podcast <laughs> so i'll i'll let you go <laughs> But I love talking with you about this stuff, Gloria. You are such a wise, intuitive, profound writer, everything you write. I mean, we just now started publishing you all stuff on our blog, but honestly, every single thing you've ever written has blown me away and moved me deeply. So it is truly an honor to talk with you. And I hope that you will, I know you will keep writing, but I hope that um, at some point There will be a book that will emerge with all your wisdom because you have a lot of powerful insights and light to share that the world needs.
1: I think we all do. But thank you so much for, you know, bringing it out of me. And and you are you are such a blessing for me in my in this journey, you know, And, and I don't think it's an accident that we found each other and I asked you if. I could be one of the girls in your...
0: Yes, you did. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. I forgot. 40-year-old girl. That's right. That's right. No, I'm still... I think about it all the time when I'm in class with the girls. I think, oh, my God, if I was in this class as a 15-year-old... But we're doing it now at 40 plus 15. Never too late. <laughs> um, thank you so much again. Of course. Thank you.